Well, good evening, everyone. It's a beautiful Sunday evening. We've had a wonderful day today in uh, God's house. It was amazing to see uh, the church full this morning. Many, many first-time guests. And I know of two that trusted Christ as their Savior today. And I am so thrilled that God met with us in the way that he did today. And I'm praying that God will meet with us here even this evening. And I, I pray that God will use this time together. Uh, we've heard so many different things that are coming up in our church. And so make sure you go by the website. You can go by our app and make sure that you take time to uh, be a part of what's going on. This Wednesday night, no evening service. We're going to be out at the Surf 6-8 doing the gifts. Um, and then Thursday night, we have our Front Range Baptist Academy Christmas program. That's going to be a wonderful time. And then next week on Sunday morning, Baptism Sunday, our church Christmas program, bring somebody to hear the gospel. I know it'll be a great time of the year. Uh, take your Bible tonight, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. If you will, just take a moment and, and share or uh, like and check in. Make sure that uh, you're letting others know that we're here today uh, for this evening service. I know it'll be a blessing to them. Father, I pray these next few moments that you'll meet with us, that you would take your word and impart it to our heart, that, Lord, we would be good hearers of what the Holy Spirit has to say to us tonight. Thank you for this wonderful season of the year, and I pray that you'll speak to us through this passage of Scripture tonight. Meet the needs. Lord, we thank you for uh, the memory of Shelley. We thank you for her years of service and faithfulness, and, Lord, I pray for their family again today that great grace would be upon them. So many in our church need that grace, that touch. So meet, I pray, those needs in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, take your Bible and look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. As we look at this passage of scripture tonight, we are taking some time to look through these names of Christ in this Christmas season. And it's, it's so important to remember that as we unwrap those swaddling clothes and we see a little babe in a manger this time of the year, everybody is so thrilled about celebrating the birth of Christ. But remember, who is he? Who is he? Well, last week we saw that he is wonderful. He's wonderful in who he is. He is a child that was born. He was human in every way except with sin because he was not just a child born, he was a son given and Jesus was God's son who was given to us so that we could become the sons of God. And we saw that last week in his name as wonderful. And what a joy it is to know the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight, I want you to see for just a few moments, not only is there wonder in his name, but there is wisdom in his name. There is wisdom in the name of Jesus. Counselor is his name. He is a counselor. Who is a counselor? A counselor is one who gives you wisdom. And Jesus, of course, is wisdom. Think about what the Bible says 
in Isaiah chapter 11 and verses one through three. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Now that's what the Bible said of Jesus, that the spirit of wisdom and of understanding would rest upon him and the spirit of counsel and might. And that's who Jesus is. He is the mighty, wonderful counselor. In him are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom of God. Uh, in Zechariah chapter six and verse 12 and 13, the Bible said, and speak unto him saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, behold, the man whose name is the branch, he shall grow up out of his place and the Bible says he shall uh, build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall sit and rule upon his throne and he shall be a priest upon his throne. Now watch this. And the council of peace shall be between the Lord. Now, this is it, the council of peace. He is the counselor. That's why Colossians 2 and verse 3, in whom are hid, speaking of Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the mighty wisdom and counsel of God from the very creation of God. Now, I want you to see some things about the counselor. Don't tune out tonight. Think about the counselor. Think about Jesus as the mighty counselor of God. And I want you to see in that council, notice what the Bible said, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom. And that's what I want you to see tonight. Number one is the treasure of his counsel. If he is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and he is the spirit of counsel and might, and there's treasure in that wisdom, then what is the treasure in his counsel? If he's the counselor, what is the treasure in his counsel? Well, think about this for just a moment. Think about James chapter 3. And verse 13, do you have that in your Bible? Find that in your Bible for just a moment. James is the book that introduces us to wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But listen to what the Bible says in James chapter three and verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the wisdom of God. There's a wisdom that is from beneath, but there's a wisdom that is from above. And Jesus is that great wisdom. And there's treasure in that wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom. And what is that wisdom worth? If he is wisdom, then what is it worth? The Bible said in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom. What is the value? What is the treasure that is in the wisdom of God. 
Now, I want you to think about this. He is the only one who can give wisdom. So if you're going to go through a problem right now, if you're going through some difficulties right now, the only one who can solve that problem is Christ. The only one in this world that can be a good counselor to you is one who can guide you to the counsel of Christ. Really, what you need tonight is you need the counsel and the wisdom of Jesus Christ. He is the counselor. Go to the counselor. And if you're going to go to any counselor and that counselor will not lead you to the wisdom that is found in the word of God, then they're not a, a foundationally true counselor. The, the Bible and Jesus Christ are the root of all wisdom. James did not ask the question to the church, who among you is educated? Who among you is degreed? Or who among you is rich and endued with power and money? No, James said, who is wise among you? Who is wise among you? You see, there's a premium put on wisdom. Wisdom is greater than monetary power. I'm gonna read you some verses and I want you to hear these verses. Think about Proverbs chapter three. When we think of treasure and wisdom, think about this. Proverbs three, verses 13 through 17. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Now listen, Jesus is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So he's really speaking of Jesus here, but listen, he said, happy is that man that findeth it. Why? For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are peace. And you think about everything the world is looking for, silver, gold, longevity, long life and wellness and health and peace, honor, all the things the world is looking for are found in God's wisdom and his understanding. Boy, what a treasure in that. What a treasure in that. Do you understand the treasure and wisdom? Think about Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 16 through 18. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. And nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The wisdom of wise men are heard and quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. You know what Solomon said? Solomon said, you know, people don't very, they don't, they, they discount the wisdom of the poor. And they think that all these wealthy people and all these powerful people have all the wisdom. And what are the powerful people doing? They're building all these weapons of warfare so they can destroy the world. One sinner destroys so much good. But if you just had some wisdom, you know what our government needs today? We need wisdom. We need wisdom. There's treasure in wisdom. Think about how much could be saved if, through wise people, we could avoid the destructions of war. Now, sometimes war is necessary, but that's not the point. The point is, is that fools rush in sometimes and destroy when all they needed was some wisdom from God. Second Chronicles chapter one, verse 10 says, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? This is Solomon asking God for wisdom and understanding. And God said to Solomon, because that this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, nor wealth, or honor, nor life of thine enemies, neither has you, have, hast thou asked for long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, 
and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there after thee have the like. Now Solomon became the mightiest, wealthiest king. He was arrayed and He was arrayed in splendor and might. And why was that? It was there simply because he had wisdom. He had wisdom. I think of what the Bible says in Second Chronic, or in Proverbs chapter four, verses four through eight. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall keep thee, which means guard or protect thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Exalt her. She shall promote thee, and thou shalt bring to honor when thou dost embrace her. Oh, let me tell you tonight, church, there is so much treasure in wisdom. There is so much treasure in wisdom. James chapter 3 who is wisdom? Who is wise among you? You see, this is the problem today. Knowledge without wisdom is dangerous. Why? Because it makes a man proud. Knowledge puffeth up. Wisdom gives you the ability to apply knowledge. It tells you what to do with what you know. Some people are so proud of what they know, but they don't know how to do anything with what they know. Wisdom is that application. God gives wisdom to the simple. Those who will ask him for it. Knowledge is what you've learned. Wisdom is what is given. Uh, you can get knowledge by looking around, but you can only get wisdom by looking up. Wisdom, there's treasure in that. You get knowledge by study. You get wisdom by prayer. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and he'll give it to him. You see, friend, this is what we need tonight. We need wisdom, wisdom. It's more important for you to have wisdom than for you to have a salaried job. It's more important that you have wisdom than you have a healthy body. Wisdom, wisdom, what a treasure. How many people are walking around with a healthy body but they don't have enough wisdom to know what to do with it? We need the wisdom of God and you can only get that by prayer. But I, not only do you see the treasure in his counsel, but I want you to see there's a tragedy in this wisdom that God has offered us. Listen to it. In James chapter three, uh, verses 14, 15, 16, he talks about envy and strife. And he says uh, that where all of that is, every evil work is present. And the wisdom that is from beneath is is earthly, sensual, devilish. See, there is a wisdom that comes from this earth. There's an ungodly counselor. And this is the tragedy of counsel because you can hear the wrong counsel. Uh, Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There is an ungodly counsel. There's an ungodly wisdom. There's an earthly mind. And this is, a, this is a wisdom that is not gentle. It's not meek. It doesn't speak peace. It doesn't bring life. There's no treasure in it. There's tragedy in it. And Christian, we gotta be careful who we listen to. There are many who are even claiming to be uh, 
People who speak for God, but they're not speaking wise counsel. Not God's counsel. And there's tragedy in their counsel. You know, Eve listened to a counselor like that. This counselor came and he began to slander God. He had bitter envying and strife, like James said. He had that in his heart against God. He had jealousy. He had selfish ambition. He had pride. Satan was filled with anger against God. And he used that wisdom. And by the way, if you read the book of Daniel, you'll find, and in the book of Ezekiel, you'll find that Satan had more wisdom than Daniel. Don't think that Satan is a, is a, a fool. Satan is a clever devil. But he, he, there's tragedy in what he says. There's death in what he says. The end of that is death. And he appeals to things that are, first of all, earthly. What does that mean? The wisdom that is from beneath is earthly. What does that mean? Listen to it carefully. It's based on natural laws. It is, um, um, it is the things that, uh, that, that are based upon what we can see and feel. Oftentimes, churches will, uh, will not elect somebody that is spiritual. They'll elect somebody that's a shrewd businessman. They've got business savvy. <laughs> they don't have wisdom, but they know how to, how to run a business. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are many good businessmen that know the wisdom of God. I'm not saying that, but there are a lot of them that don't. But churches will think uh, on earthly terms, like, well, this guy's good at business, then he'll be good in the business of the church. But friend, let me tell you, he may be good at the business of this world, but he may not be good in God's business. And that's earthly. That man that becomes a pastor of a church with CEO material or a deacon who is business-minded, he'll try, but one day he's going to ruin that church and he'll bring totally different principles other than the God-given established principles that the church is to be run on because that wisdom is earthly. It runs from an earthly. It, it makes things prosper here on earth, but some of the greatest success stories in this world are eternal tragedies. And the wisdom that Satan brings is earthly. Not only that, it is sensual. Now, what's sensual? Sensual just simply means a man that is soulish or natural. It's the things of our natural man. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 speaks about. The natural man, the soulish man. The man who is just involved with what he can work out in his own understanding and with what he can see and smell and touch and feel. It's sensual. That natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Jude spoke of these sensual men as having not the Spirit. They didn't understand the Spirit of God. They only understood the sensual life, the soulish life of men. And they were brutish men, brute beasts, the Bible says. They had nothing more than just instinctual living. That's, that's what he's talking about. He thinks common sense is God-given wisdom, and he doesn't know the difference. There, we need some common sense today, but can I tell you, friend, we need heaven sense today. So not only is it earthly and sensual, but it's devilish. It's devilish. What does that mean? It means it comes from the devil himself, and it, it emulates the devil. This is, this is, it's got a demonic tone to it. It's, it's uh, enticing, but its end is death. It makes sense to the sensual man. It works in earthly ways but it falls short of the, of the Spirit of God. See, look at here. The world, earthly. The flesh, 
sensual, the devil. Huh, aren't those our three enemies? The world, the flesh, the devil? That's what this wisdom does. It appeals to the base part of our creature. This is the counsel that Eve acted on. And it plunged the world into tragedy. Listen, I, I'm so burdened over so many people who make decisions in the, in the ways of the world, thinking they're listening to good counsel. But what if they gained the whole world but lost their soul? What would they be profited? There's a spiritual side to all of this that we must really lean upon Jesus to be our counselor. He's the counselor. Let me give you this very quickly, number, number three. The reason why God sent Jesus as the treasure of his counsel and to avoid the tragedy of this earthly counsel. But listen, let me, let me give you the triumph. Jesus came to bring triumph with his counsel, with his counsel. I love it. Uh, James chapter three is speaking here of, of uh, this wisdom that is from beneath, earthly, sensual, devilish. But listen to verse 17 of James Three, I love this verse. Listen to it. James chapter three and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let me show you what God did. Because of the tragedy of this world's wisdom that we were plunged into and we now lean to our own understanding. We think in our own wisdom, earthly, sensual, devilish. God sent the counselor, the wonderful counselor to come with heaven's counsel to give us God's mind. And let me show you what God did with his counselor. He gave us this counselor to give wisdom that meets every need of every man. Watch this very carefully. Look at this. It meets every problem of man. First of all, it overcomes the sin problem. His counsel overcomes the sin problem. It is first pure, pure. He deals with the very root of all of man's problems and all of man's problems are rooted in one thing, sin. When you boil it all down, man has a sin problem and God comes with his counselor to give us purity. He deals with the problem of sin. It overcomes, God's wisdom overcomes sin. If you don't deal with sin and the sin nature, you'll never solve your problems. So his counsel deals with that. Number two, it overcomes the problem of strife. Oh, the world is full of strife. Our homes are full of strife. Our churches are full of strife. Christians are strifing, striving, 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 striving. They fight, they fuss, they fight, they bicker, they fight, they distrust, they, they're suspicious of this guy. They're, they're gossiping about this person. Oh, where does that strife come from? It comes from sin. But strife is a great problem. But notice what it says. This counsel comes along and is first pure. It deals with your sin problem. And then it deals with the peace problem. It's peaceable. It's peaceable. That's what Jesus gave his disciples. Remember that? Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not the peace the world gives and not the peace the world can take away. Nothing can disrupt this peace that I give to my disciples. And friend, listen to me. The counsel, the wisdom of Jesus brings peace. It'll bring peace to your heart. It'll bring peace to your home. It'll bring peace to the church. There is peace. It is a council of peace. Many claim to be wise, but they have no peace. Many in the Bible claim to be wise, but they were 
using the Bible as a club to beat people over the head rather than a sword to heal the nations and to bring conviction. Uh, these people claim to be wise, but they're more contentious and they're, uh, they're not real contenders. They're not contending for the faith. They're using the faith to be contentious with one another. Now, let me tell you something, friend. That's not, there's no wisdom in that. There's no wisdom in that. I want a church that is fundamental in what we believe. I want a church that's conservative in what we believe and yet a church that's sweet in our spirit. And we can do all of that. You don't have to be fundamental and mad about it. You can have a fundamental basis on the word of God and you can be conservative and yet you can be sweet and kind and joyful. When you disagree with someone, remember that they might be unsaved. And if so, he's lost. He doesn't have the same wisdom that you have. And arguing with him isn't going to solve the problem. If he is saved, he's your brother. And you're going to live with him forever. So dwell peaceably with him. That's why Paul said, as much as in me is, and as much as in you is, live peaceably with all men. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Um. Don't argue with people. If they're lost, they need to be saved. If you disagree with somebody and he's your brother, he's part of your body and you're part of his body and you're members one of another with Christ. Be peaceable. Be peaceable. So it overcomes our sin problem. It's pure. It overcomes our strife problem. It's peaceable. Number three, it overcomes our stubborn problem. What do you mean? It's gentle, easy to be entreated. Oh, this is a wonderful truth. See, a wise man has convictions, but his convictions are only about the word of God. He's not stubborn in things that don't really matter. He stands firm in the word of God, rooted, unmovable. Yes, conviction. There are things that I am absolutely foundationally rooted to and will not move, but I can be gentle Jesus was rooted, but he was gentle. The spirit of God must not strive, the Bible says. The servant of God must not strive. Uh, we are to be gentle, easy to be entreated. You see, gentleness comes from two words in the Greek. I love this. It means into and fitting. And what does this mean? It means the ability to adapt. This is what gentleness is. It is to be able to adapt. Do you know that the old English word for meekness had to do with a horse. When a horse was, was meeked, it was broken. That horse was now gentle. It was able to fit into the situation or adapt to the situation that it was needed to be adapted to by its rider. It's gentle. That's what the Spirit of God does in the life of the believer. He helps the believer be gentle and adaptable and sometimes things change. You know, a uh, hundred years ago, they didn't have uh, sound systems in the church. Um, well, they started bringing in speakers and electric organs, and and boy, people began to have a fit about that. And then, ooh, air, they, churches began to promote. We have air conditioned rooms <laughs> and padded pews, and and through the modern uh, life, you know, used to be that that people had to walk to church and they started coming in automobiles and churches had to put parking lots in. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, the churches have had to adapt along the way. Christians have had to learn to live. I mean, I'm 
We've, we've had to learn to embrace technology in this world and, and, and put the Bible and the gospel out far and wide through technological means. Listen, uh, there are things that we will never change, but we can be gentle and easy to be entreated. This is what the wisdom of God does. It attacks our sin problem, our strife problem, our stubborn problem. But listen to this. It overcomes another problem, our selfishness. Our selfishness. It's full of mercy and good fruits. You know that the root of our sin is in selfishness. Uh, Jesus counsels us to think of others. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Give, he said in Luke chapter uh, uh, 12. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. God says to give. We're to have fruit in our life. Not that we may partake of the fruit, but that we can give it to others. Uh, how, how many people do you know that are truly genuine generous givers. We're selfish in nature, are we not? I mean, it's born into us. Put two little toddlers in a room and give them one toy and see what happens. World War III is gonna break out. Why? Because we're selfish. We want it our way. Most of the fighting and the strife in our churches is because people are seeking their own. In our homes, the fighting between husbands and wives, we're seeking our own. You're not meeting my needs. And we're selfish. And the wisdom of God counsels us to learn to give mercy, have mercy on others, to, to live as an empty vessel and uh, to live as a, a vessel that God can fill so that you can give to others. If you live a centered, self-centered life, you are miserable. You're miserable. Live a life centered on Jesus Christ and you're gonna find joy. And so, hey, the wisdom of God, there's triumph in it. It triumphs over our sin, over our strife, over our stubbornness, over our selfishness. And look at this. <laughs> I had to get another S. Over our snobbishness. He counsels us. Jesus counseled us. He said it's without partiality. Right there in James 3. Look at it, verse 17. Without partiality. Without partiality. Now, when Jesus counsels us, he counsels us not to be a respecter of persons. In James, he said they were bringing the wealthy guys up, set them up front. Man came in with a fine raiment. Guy came in with a nice ring. Boy, they treated him right. The guy that came in with dirty raiment and looked a little shabby, they put him in the back and sit back there. And hit James said, oh, that's not the wisdom of God. Can I tell you something tonight, church? Listen to me very carefully. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know the problem with some of church, uh, churches and church members and Christians? We just don't like some of the people that Jesus draws. And he draws, if you look back in the New Testament, boy, look at who he drew. Lepers and the lame and the halt and the, and the blind and the common man followed him gladly. And many of the religious and the righteous and, and the, the, the wealthy, they were repelled at him. And, and I'm not saying that, that, we, that we, we can't bring the good man with the good raiment and the ring on his finger in, but listen, listen, we can't be partial there's a snobbiness that can arise in our hearts. And Jesus taught us to do unto others as we would have them do unto you and to treat them with, with, with grace and with mercy and accepting. And let's not be exclusively 
snobbish and only go to our own, find somebody. Do you know what? Find somebody that can't do anything for you and love them. Find someone who can't do a thing in the world back to you and just love them. That's a joy uh, that Jesus can bring. He'll counsel you to do that. And then not only that, listen, the triumph of his counsel, it overcomes our shame. What do you mean by that? Listen what he says in James 3. Without hypocrisy, without hypocrisy, Jesus teaches us to live honestly, not putting up a facade. You know why so many people live a hypocritical life? Because we're ashamed of what we really are. So we put up we put up false pretenses. We put up walls and we hide behind those walls because we're really truly ashamed of what we are. We don't want anyone to know, but Jesus said, tear all that down. Tear all that down. Don't be a hypocrite without hypocrisy. The wisdom that comes from above teaches us to live in reality. Do you know that your reality is somebody else's reality and some of the things that you're dealing with and going through and some of the things that you have failed in would speak wonders to someone else's heart? I love the fact that Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I like when the Bible just unveiled what David did and what, what, what Peter did. And, and God didn't hide those things. We find some comfort in that, do we not? Because we can identify with that. I can't always identify with Paul the preacher, but I can identify with Paul the sinner. And so without hypocrisy, I'm not saying that we elevate and magnify our sin. I'm just talking about we be real. God teaches us, his counsel teaches us to be able to pull the facade down and look through the facade of others and see them as somebody that Jesus died for. Look at others and see them as a soul that's gonna live forever. You know, when I think of counsel and I think of Jesus being the great counselor and he came to bring us counsel, it's because man lost his way. Man has lost his way today. We have completely lost our way. I know I'm a little bit over my time, but I want to share this with you tonight in closing. Years ago, I would run to the car and hear Paul Harvey in the afternoon after school as a little boy, and I'd keep notes on his rest of the stories. And I'm going to read one that I kept for all these years. And I want you to hear this because this is why Jesus was sent as our counselor. And this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. This comes from Paul Harvey, a rest of the story. And he says, you know, the Christmas story, that God became a man in the manger and all of that, it, it escapes some moderns. Mostly, I think, because they seek complex answers to their questions. And this one is so utterly simple. So for the cynic and for the skeptic and for the unconvinced, I'm submitting, says Paul Harvey, a modern parable. Now, the man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff, which churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense to him, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow that Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said, I'd feel like a hypocrite, that I'd much rather just stay at home, but I'll sit up and wait for you and the children. So he did. He stayed up and they went to the midnight service. 
Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went into the, to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier and then went back to his fireside chair and began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he started, was startled by the, a thudding sound, then another and then another, sort of a thump or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the sudden snowstorm and in the desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children had stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds into it. Quickly, he put on his coat and his galoshes and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors and he turned on the light, but those birds would not come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to that yellow-lighted, wide-open door to the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them, continued to... Uh, uh, he tried catching them. Uh, he tried shooing them into the barn by walking around and waving his arms. But instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. Then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could let them know that they can trust me, that I'm, I'm not trying to hurt them. I'm trying to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. Then they would just not follow him. They would not be led or shooed because of their fear of him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself. I could mingle with them and I could speak their language. Then I could tell them not to be afraid. I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind and he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. For now he understood why God had to become a man to show us the way. Aren't you glad he's our wonderful counselor? He has come that we may know God. There's treasure in his wisdom. Church, there is tragedy in the counsel and the wisdom of this world. But Jesus came to triumph, for all, to triumph over all of that and to give us the wisdom of God. Let's live in that wisdom this Christmas. Unwrap it and live it and let him be your counselor. Father, may this be true in our hearts tonight. 
I pray that we would all listen to the counsel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would seek you first in your kingdom. Lord, let you add all these things to us that we so desperately need that we don't know we need. Help us, I pray tonight, Lord. I pray that if there's anyone here listening tonight that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that right where they sit, they would understand that you came as a man to die for us at Calvary and you rose again from the dead that we might know forgiveness of sin. And may tonight they with humble heart just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. Oh God, may it be so. May they know your counsel in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. I'll see you Thursday night for our Christmas program. And uh, if you're able to go on Wednesday night, we'll have a wonderful time uh, helping others. God bless you.